With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Business Money Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing well. Good, Good until Luis Rojas throws this game. <laughs> Listen, it's the Mets, so mm-hmm. if there's one thing the Mets are known for, it's good managerial decisions. Uh huh. Yeah, historically. I'm known for that. When was the last, like, objectively good manager? I guess Bobby Valentine? See, I'm not old enough to remember if Bobby Valentine was a, a good manager or not. I mean, but there are, at any one time in the majors, two quote-unquote good managers, and the rest <laughs> are negatives, just varying degrees. <laughs> and Louis Rojas is not one of them right no. now, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, only up from here then. Yeah. All right. Let's start with promote, extend, trade. And today is April 26th. And on April 26th, 1992, there was a riot on the streets. Tell me, where were you? Lucas, I'm trying to reference over your head. Yeah, sorry. Ken, <laughs> Thomas, maybe one of you guys. Come on, no. maybe. I have no idea. Oh, God damn it, guys. Sublime. Oof. Sublime. Oof. Oh. Uh, I got you. Okay. All right. So, anyway, one of Sublime, well, not one of, 
well, yeah, I guess one of their main mascot was Lou Dog, who is the lead singer's Dalmatian. He was featured very prominently on music videos and artwork and in uh, their songs. So probably appeared on MTV a couple times back when they still had music. Uh, oh, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So let's promote, extend, or trade these following baseball dogs. Oh, this is a good one. First, nice. we have Rookie. Of course. Naturally. Next, we have... This is one is kind of esoteric, I guess. Next, we have Hot Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and last, but maybe least, definitely least, is Chris Mad Dog Russo. Okay, well, oh. we're trading him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even yeah, trading him. I'm just DFAing him right out. <laughs> Bye. Uh... Hot, hot dogs versus rookie is actually a tough one because I actually love hot dogs. Yeah, I love rookie more. So yeah, I love rookie. rookie promote hot dogs, but he's a he's a it's a Yankee affiliate, you know. But he's a well, not anymore. Not anymore. That's true. He's he he's free from them. Who are they affiliated with now? Technically, they, get cut? they got cut, but technically they are affiliated with the. Toronto Blue Jays for like the first month of the oh, season. Right, right, right. Yeah, they have yeah. like the weird thing with them. I don't know. I I absolutely love hot dogs. I love the cheap, dirty water dogs. I love fancier hot dogs. Love hot dogs. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna extend the hot dogs just so we don't have hot dog erasure on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to agree, because as much as I love Rookie, I mean, I've had hot dogs. I've known known hot dogs. And now I want a hot dog. (laughs) God damn it. Hot dogs have improved my life longer than Rookie has. So that's really just the deciding factor. (laughs) I didn't expect us to get existential, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The The real unfortunate thing is that where I am in the city, we don't have hot dog stands. We've got, like... Like uh, various photos. Hispanic food stands, which is not a bad thing. Like they're good. Don't get me wrong, but I want a hot dog. Sometimes the the, the dirty water dogs just hit the spot. Yeah, absolutely. There are only three acceptable toppings on a hot dog: mustard, uh, 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 uh what the fuck was it? Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut and stagnant cart water. <laughs> <laughs> John Stewart pizza rant here. <laughs> relish is acceptable. I will, I, will, I, I, will, I will allow relish. Yeah. But ketchup, yes, though? ketchup. No, 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 no. I hope Ken Thomas. I hope you are not ketchup people. Those red onions that are on the that the hot dog stands have mm-hmm. are worth that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hey, at the risk of being called a a, a, um, a heretic, I also enjoy a Chicago style hot dog. Oh, that has a bunch of other stuff on it, right? That's yeah, it's like, like pickles, tomato right? and celery salt and a pickle. I love pickles. I can see that. I can see that. You know, if nothing else, it's much better than Chicago-style quote-unquote pizza. Casserole? <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which is not a pizza. It's a fucking casserole. True. Surprise you haven't decided to finish your pizza by springing some canned onion rings on it. <laughs> Don't give them any ideas. Uh-huh. They've already fucked pizza up enough. 
All right, well, let's move on now to the way-too-early draft update. <clears throat> and my guy, Judd Fabian, he only played in two games this week because uh, the Gators only played in two games. And in those games, he went three for nine with a homer, no walks, and three strikeouts. Yeah, we, I was going to ask, how many strikeouts, <laughs> Steve? So that brings him to 252, 347, 701 for the year with 13 homers, 22 walks, and 54 strikeouts in 37 games. Uh, you know, strikeouts, it's just something you're gonna have to live with with him. I wish the average, I wish the average is a bit better. I mean, 252 as a college hitter is kind of... That's low. Yeah, it's not what you want to see. It's, it's, it's a lot of strikeouts. It is. Like, it's making me think of, uh, uh, Griffin Conine, you guys remember him from a couple oh, yeah. years back, mm-hmm. and like he had a couple good seasons, and then went to the Cape and had a really good Cape, but then all of a sudden he started striking out a ton, and now he's a dude that's like stupid power, but probably won't make it because he strikes out too much, and he struck out less than Fabian is. Oh yeah, I, I remember reading something a while ago when we first started doing the research on these guys. Like the only other high level college hitter that had a strikeout rate comparable to Fabian was Casey uh, Meisner from a cut the draft uh, two years ago. Uh-huh. And Fabian's strikeout rate at the time was still like 15% higher or something like that. So mm-hmm. not what you want to see, but hey. Does Brady has at any point strikeout, Lucas? So he actually had a slow week this week, you know, oh. uh, uh, slacking. He had well, had one game where he went one for three uh, with two walks. Uh, another game where he went uh, had a it was a perfect one for one with more walks. <laughs> uh, Just gonna pitch the round at this point. Four for yeah. four game. Uh, no extra base hits to speak of, or at least they're not listed. And he hasn't ho- really he hasn't homered since the seventh. So I think major league teams should just ignore him and let him fall to the the bats. <laughs> uh, Glorified single hitter. Glorified yeah, single yeah, hitter. that's that's all he is at this point. Uh, five seventy three, six eighty five. That's batting percentage and uh, that's a, a batting average and on base percentage. Uh, where the hell is the slugging number? The website doesn't want to give it to me. Uh, I'll just say high. Over just, one. Yeah, good. No one wants to pitch to him with good reason. So, uh, still trending towards that, like, top seven, maybe top five pick. Uh, we've not, we're not in the time of year where we start getting actual draft rumors yet, but, uh, trending up still. Always good to see. Thomas, how was Andrew Painter's week? So I'm going to go through his season so far because okay. we haven't, like, obviously we haven't, um, I haven't talked about him yet. So he's in Florida, so they've been playing since like February. Um, he's appeared in 10 games so far this year and has a 0.37 ERA. <laughs> so he's high school play. He's good. Um, it only says he started once, so I wonder if they're using because he, he has a save. So I wonder if they're kind of using him like as a follower type thing to get him in more games. Um, yeah. But he's five and one, zero point three seven ERA. Um, he has struck out seventy four and walked thirteen in thirty eight innings and given up sixteen hits. 
So he's good. <laughs> um, that's the long and short of it. There, it is interesting that they're using that he only started one game, um, especially because he started eleven as a sophomore. So I wonder why they're doing that. Like what the strategy is there, but he's been good. Obviously. Yeah, but maybe he was coming back from like a mild injury and didn't get stretched out early maybe, enough. Yeah. Something maybe. like that. But yeah, that's how his season's going. Um he's given up like one home run or two. Um but that's really yeah, two two earned two earned runs, five runs, so I guess his defense is terrible, which I guess could get used to as a as a future. Yeah, it fits right in. <laughs> And that's it, that, yeah. He's good. That's, I wonder if it, if it is an intentional thing that they're kind of like easing him and kind mm-hmm. of holding him back a little bit. I wonder if it is an intentional thing because, you know, the, the draft this season has been pushed back. So I wonder if maybe it's kind of a, a way to give him some artificial helium late in the season. Yeah. Closer to when the draft is. I mean, obviously the high school season probably is over at the end of May, beginning of June. And then the draft this year is going to be in July. So you will have a couple of months where just kind of not much is going on. Well, not a couple of months, a couple of weeks, I should say. Obviously, if a guy kind of ends the season stronger, it looks more impressive. Also, like from a pure your team, like coaching your team point, if you could get him in three games a week pitching two or three innings, is that Mm -hmm. better than him just giving you a win one day and then not being able to pitch? You know what I mean? So that's another like another strategic part of it from the coaching staff, but I mean he's good. <laughs> he's better than he's better than all the kids he's playing against, and he's been like that since because on Max Preps it has like his whole career stats, and he has like he had like a one ERA on varsity as a freshman. So like it's just one of those things where he's good. High school baseball stats are so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. All right, uh, Ken, Adrian Del Castillo, he kind of had a, a, a dip last week. What's going on with him this week? I, I wouldn't say it's more of a dip, um, just kind of more of the same from last week. Uh, still, um, the, the, the triple slash is pretty much unchanged. He's currently at 297, 397, 453, uh, 17 walks against 18 strikeouts, so more or less the same, but... He still hasn't hit a home run in a while. Uh, his last dinger was a little over a month ago. Mm, right, that's um, so what I'm going to say. His stock is still going down. He um, played two games this week, went two for nine with a double. But um, again, um, for a guy who ideally would be hitting for some power, it's a little worrisome that we're now. Who'd you say maybe like a third of the way through the college season? Forty yeah, percent, maybe. Yeah, forty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's he still hasn't really hit for much power. Um, mm. so maybe a little down. Yeah, I know okay. you. Oh, sorry. You go, you go. Uh, so so how many homers does he have on the season? Three. Three. I mean, uh. I don't know if I've made this point on the pod before, but I think Will Smith is probably the best catcher in baseball at this point, though he's slumping a little bit right now. But he only hit uh, nine homers in his entire college career. I wonder if there's an argument to be made that uh, there's a swing change you could make with Del Castillo. I don't know enough about that. Honestly, I I do really like the swing. I don't think the bat-to-ball is going to be an issue. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, you know, maybe you could just help him tap into a little more of the power. Yeah. But honestly, I, I just I think it'll come at some point. Yeah. He's kind of a big kid, right? Like, I'm not making that up. Like, he's no, kind of tall. not beefy, but, like, athletic. No, no, he's, like, um... Six, Why am I thinking six, uh, even five five like eleven or something? Oh, yeah. he's way shorter than I thought. I was thinking like six two. I don't know why. Yeah, I he's he's actually on Miami five eleven two ten. He's a little bit. He's a little bit bigger than Smith, who's five ten one ninety five. But I mean, also you don't have to like like uh, this is beating a dead horse in like the eight hundredth week in a row. But you don't have <laughs> to be a crazy good hitter to be a plus offensive catcher. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think this is something that we, and really anyone who's doing, like, amateur side talk about prospects misses because uh, there's a uh, uh, a level of coordination you probably want with your player dev people, right? Where mm-hmm. you want to ask them, hey, we like that this dude does X, Y, Z. Uh, he has this statistical hole in his profile based on what you see as a, as a scout or coach in his swing, do you, can you fix this? Yeah. And like, we don't have great insight into that, right? Cause different coaches are going to think different things. Also, none of us are hitting coaches really. Right. So. Yep. Well, for sure. The likelihood, uh, you know, of him being around at, uh, 10 when the Mets pick is, Increasing, so that's yeah. kind of good. I mean, this is a guy that was... He, he's now, like, in the, the solid range. Yeah, I mean... I think he'll be available if that's what they decide to do. In in January, whatever, like, there were, there were at times mock drafts, so he was being picked, like, three, four, like... Yeah, no. That was, like, projecting the bat to, like, go nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is the kind of guy, if he, you know, I don't want to say if he writes the ship, because that's not really the right phrase, but like we've been saying, it's not like he's doing bad, but he is the caliber player that, when everything is going right, could be, you know, a, a top pick. So, I mean, if he falls to 10, and the Mets are able to get him, that is uh, a big win. Yes. Well, next couple of weeks will be exciting. We'll move on now to the CPBL, KBO, NPB updates. And the Unilions went two and three this week. So they're currently at 16 and 13 on the year, which is tied for first place with the Rakuten Monkeys. And the pitching the Monkeys? The Monkeys, yes. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Why do they have such good team names? Uh, the rotation wasn't really on fire this week like it was last week, uh, which is why they were sub. 500 this week, but they were all basically solid, respectable starts. Their losses, you know, 4-1, 4-3, 7-5, you know, with the exception of that last one. Those are all pretty solid quality starts, and starters kept the team in the game. The LG Twins, they went 2-4 and this week, and that leaves them... um, Oops, I didn't write... (laughs) That just leaves them at 11. Okay. Well, they have 11 wins and an unknown number of losses, but they are eight. in first place. Got eight losses. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, that leaves them still tied in first place. Uh, last week they were tied with the 2020 NC Dinos, the, the 2020 champion NC Dinos, and this week they are tied with the Shinsegi Landers. And the Landers are are a new team technically. They are the former SK Wyverns, but 
uh, over the winter, the SK Telecom Corporation sold the team to Shinsegae, which is a big Korean department store. It's like the the Korean Macy's. So, what the hell is a lander? A UFO. Like aliens. Yeah. yeah. It's literally a UFO. Okay, that's pretty. You know, so, I'd like that more if they weren't replacing the Wyverns, which were perhaps my favorite team name in yeah, any Yeah, with the league. Lander. Yeah. Also, they use a, just a big L as some of their uh, logo stuff, which. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, wear this L. <laughs> it's, well, <laughs> um. Someone's not looking up at the memes because this just going to get made fun of. Maybe that doesn't translate into Korean as Maybe, directly. Yeah. And it's a red L, too, I believe. It's a freaking scarlet letter. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a wyvern. Just, I could just stick with that. It was so cool. Um, so even though the twins went two and four, Hunsu Kim, he is... He was hitting for a solid average, just about under 300, but he is starting to hit for power. His bat woke up. He had two doubles and two homers this week, so it's good that he's uh, heating up because everyone else is still pretty uh, off to a pretty slow start, except for that leadoff guy, Chang Ki Hong. And his OBP is 429, and his slugging is 420, so I always appreciate it when you have a guy with an OBP higher than his slugging. Yes, Brandon it's so <laughs> and last but not least are the occult swallows and miraculously somehow i don't know they went four and one with a tie so that bumps them up to 13 8 and 4 on the year which is uh tied with the yomiuri giants for second place and just three games behind the hanshin tigers for first and for the most part pitching has been solid enough you know basically just keeping them in the game and the uh Offense has been doing its part. Yamada has really woken up. Him and Murakami, they both have eight homers. That's the most in the Central League. Um, they're both in the top ten OPS. And just enough of the secondary guys in that lineup are hitting, you know, well enough to really make the lineup card uh, dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. And in addition to all that, the team, they activated a couple of foreign players that they signed uh, over the winter. So they will be adding right-handed pitcher Cy Sneed, who is a former Houston Astros oh, reliever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't um, that name in a while. They're going to be adding right-handed pitcher Rick Vandenherk, who is a journeyman, uh, played for a bunch of teams. But I, I, I remember him being with the Marlins in the late 2000s and yeah. early 2010s. I'm sure he screwed over the Mets quite a few times. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, they're going to be adding infielder Jose Ozuna, who was a backup guy with the Pirates for a couple of years. And I think the biggest acquisition that they're going to be adding is outfielder Domingo Santana, who played uh, oh. for oh, a couple cool. of... Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> a couple of teams in the 2010s and had some really good years with Milwaukee and Seattle, like... 30 homers one year, 25, I think it was, 21 to Seattle, like 2019, not even that long ago. Yeah, so. he was actually kind of good. Yeah. Like, if, if he was still kicking around the majors, he would be the kind of guy I'd want the Mets to have on the bench as a... He's the type of guy who balls out there and comes yeah. back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I could see that. Again. Like, I'd rather, if you're going to roster Almora and Pilar, I'd rather roster uh, someone like Santana than Pilar, personally. Yeah, I mean, Pilar's 
defense. I, I would actually have to look at the numbers and see if like does he, is he actually good defensively anymore? Like or is it just like the reputation? Right? Hmm? Yeah. But you've got El for that, right? And then you have yeah. uh uh, Santana is the nice right-handed foil to a lefty heavy lineup. Be Santana fun. in in nineteen hundred plate appearances has a one ten weighted runs created plus, which is pretty wild. Pretty yeah. Like he was bad last year. Like, like he fell off a cliff. Like he just yeah. stopped making contact. Yeah. So I wonder if he goes and fixes that and uh, comes back because he's only age wise only a. Uh, if 29? He's 28. 28, now, yeah. So, he's still got years left. For his, That'd be a fun person to keep an eye on. Or his, actually, not a huge platoon split for his career. 114 against lefties, 108 against righties. I mean, still, that's playable against mm-hmm. righties. So, yeah, I mean, you, you inject him into the lineup. If Murakami's yeah. hitting, if Yamada is hitting, that's uh, a solid power threat in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, there. absolutely. So it doesn't matter how bad the pitches are, if we can be <laughs> bludgeoning everyone else. <laughs> Solid uh, strategy. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So this week we're going to be doing the last of our affiliate previews. The, the minor league season is going to be starting in a little over a week now. Very exciting. And this week we're going to be talking about the lowest uh, team on the ladder, the lowest non-rookie team, I should say, on the minor league ladder, the St. Lucie Mets. St. Lucie, formerly of the Florida State League, um, and formerly the Mets' high A affiliate, are now their low A affiliate, and they play in the low A Southeast Eastern Division. So I was expecting like the South South League or something like that. <laughs> well, it, it'll don't worry, it's coming. Don't worry. So, oh yeah, the other the other teams in the Low East Southeast East are the Daytona Tortugas, who are the Cincinnati Reds affiliate, mm-hmm. the Jupiter Hammerheads, which is the Marlins affiliate, and the Palm Beach Cardinals, which is the St. Louis Cardinals affiliate. So that's boring. Yeah, yeah I know. Cardinals. So in addition to those. They're also going to be – those teams, they're also going to be playing against teams in the Lowy Southeast-West. And those teams the Lowy are the – Southeast-West. Oh Lowy Southeast-West. <laughs> <Lowy> Southeast-West. <laughs> this is so bad. And those teams are the Bradenton Marauders, which is the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates affiliate. The Clearwater Threshers, which is the Philadelphia Phillies affiliate. The Dunedin Blue Jays, which is the Toronto Blue Jays affiliate. The Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, who were formerly <laughs> formerly the Fort Myers Miracle. Is that uh, brand new? 
Yeah, that was for 2020. And I think I missed that. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there were a couple of teams that were re- rebranded, and uh, obviously because of uh, no season, they kind of got forgotten about. And, yeah. And some of the teams don't even exist anymore. Like the – I want to say it was the Connecticut Tigers. They rebranded as like the – Sea unicorns. At least they didn't rebrand to the big red L's. Oh, that's true. The Mighty but Muscles has a have a mascot who is a, a, muscle. a muscle with a cape. He's very strong. He's it's, mighty. It's, it's incredible scenes. Mm-hmm. What this is. I love every minute of it. So wait, yeah, wait, wait. It is it it's the crustacean or the shellfish. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So cool. the mighty muscles. Um, then in the uh, south, southeast, west, there are the Lakeland Flying Tigers, which is the Flying Tigers affiliate. And then last but not least, uh, I have to say this clearly and slowly so I don't get tongue-tied because you say this tongue-tied and very embarrassing it can be. The Tampa Tarpons. Oh, yeah. The Yankees affiliate. Yeah. What the hell is a yeah. tarpon? A uh, fish, I think. Yes, it apparently it is. Yes, okay. It's a big fish. Jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, that is that is the uh, low A southeast. So, managing St. Lucie Mets is going to be Reed Brignac. I'm saying that correctly, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so Reed Brignac, he's going to be the manager. And that's he the first was... thing I remember him playing. Yeah, he was hired to be the Columbia Fireflies manager in 2020, but obviously the season was canceled, and now that the Fireflies aren't part of the Mets minor league system anymore, he was just basically shifted. You know, he's going to stay in low A, but just going from Columbia to uh, St. Lucie. I remember, the, people, like, on ESPN broadcast or whatever, they'd be like, yeah, very gritty, raised, middle infielder, future manager uh, type, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> he like played defense and hit singles. That guy. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be Brignac's first year as a manager, so it will be interesting to see what his his style is, and if we get some of that behind the scenes stuff, that could be really you know stories from managers and stuff that uh, reporters, excuse me, that could be kind of interesting because he's just he's so young. He's thirty five. So him and the guys that he's going to be coaching, there's only like a 15-year age gap, which is big, but not really, you know? So um, also interesting is the fact that the Mets aren't really surrounding him with any, like, old-timers, I guess, if you want to say, to kind of be like the steadying presence if things go wrong or for him to just kind of learn from. Um, Be next. Bench coach is Jay Pecci, who's, he's going to be 44, and this is basically his second year as a coach. He was the GCL Mets bench coach in 2019. Tommy Joseph, who's 29, he's going to be the hitting coach. This is his first, first coaching gig, and he was Tommy playing. Tommy Joseph wait, was wait, the, wait, uh, the Philly? former, uh, Giants prospect, right, that had all the concussion issues as a catcher. I don't know. I, I, he was a player that retired he was like, on the last Philly. year, he two was on years the ago, whatever, yeah. He was on the Phillies for two years and then played for the LG Twins in 2019. And then yeah. Didn't they, didn't, I think they traded for him in one of their, they sent him, I'm gonna yep. go look this he up. He was a giant, he was a giant, yes. The Giants, tra- uh, they got him for Hunter Pence. That's it. Mm. 
And then rounding out the uh, coaching staff is Jerome Williams, who's 39, and he's going to be the pitching coach. And he has one year of experience under his belt. He was the pitching coach with Kingsport in 2019. Honestly, so, that's kind of fun. They're just like yeah. letting all the young guys go and do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, young guys comparatively. I mean, the the Tommy Joseph. I mean, he's 29 and he's like that's that's really great. And he was like. At an alternate site last year. Mm. Like, so he was active up until recently. Yeah. That's interesting. So, St. Lucie Mets could be, uh, some of those, some of those late inning bullpen <laughs> calls can be, uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious. Like, it's hard to, like, say I'm excited about a coaching staff at, in the, in the Southeast, Southwest division or whatever the hell it is, but. <laughs> Like, it, it actually is kind of interesting to see how they'll handle everything. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to do like we did last week. Um, obviously, you know, this, this far down, you, it's kind of difficult to know what players will be assigned, but we'll we'll take a look at our top prospect list and we'll make some guesses as to whether or not we think they're going to be sent to St. Lucie, low A St. Lucie. Uh, first, our number one prospect, Ronnie Mauricio, he already played in low A, so he is not eligible, I don't believe. No. Number two, Matthew Allen. No, he's going to start at least at Brooklyn, I think. Number three, Francisco Alvarez. I want to say yes, right? I I, I would say yeah. Um, Solely because he's never played anywhere full season. Yeah, that's, that's my guess, too. Like, and he's a catcher. I wanna. I don't wanna. He's got a lot on his plate. Yeah. Know. No need to rush him. Development wise. No, before third baseman Brett Baby. No. No. Yeah, he, I would push him a level farther. He's too good. Number five outfielder Pico Armstrong. Yes. Yes. I think he again starts. hasn't played. Yeah, I think he starts here and could make his way pretty quickly to Brooklyn, but I think he starts here. And I have no qualms with starting him at a level that I'm pretty sure he'd be good at. Like, I'd be shocked if he's not good there, so I'm fine with that. Let him get some confidence. Also, don't forget that GCL still exists, so he could be a candidate for GCL. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, as a high schooler, you know, last year drafted. That's true, that's a good point. But I do agree with you guys. I think that he has enough... You know, from Team USA experience and yes. just being a very high level draft pick, that I do think that he can start off. At you could be a little bit aggressive with him, but I think he'll be fine there. Yeah, I think I think it'll be more like the that. I think at some point in our list, we have like the six IFA outfielders in a row or whatever. Yeah. Yes, uh, those will be the guys that go to the GCL. Yeah, that's what that that's where I think they go. You need to break that up. All right. Next is third base number six, third baseman Mark Vientos, who already played in uh, Colombia in 2019, so he yeah. is uh, not eligible. Nor is number seven, right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf. Number eight, infielder Jalen Palmer. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He starts here. Number nine, right-handed pitcher J- J.T. Ginn. When is he uh, back? Who probably will come back in like July-ish, I would say. I can see I'm that. still, I'm still th- sticking with my uh, playoff bullpen. Yeah, whoever, wherever he needs to go. <laughs> yeah. 
I imagine they at least start him there and then send him on his way, uh, whoever needs help, you know? Yeah. I mean, presumably he'll be all, he'll be rehabbing at the spring side or whatever, so it would yeah. be pretty easy to send him to St. Lucie just for a couple games before moving him up to a more age appropriate level. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, next up, number 10, right handed pitcher, Franklin Killamay who is, you know, basically on the the who, side, right? yeah. who, who played in Major League Baseball, so I don't yeah. think that he's going to be uh, pitching in low A. Um, same thing with left-handed pitcher, number 11, Thomas Zipucky. He already played in low A last year. Yeah. And uh, number 12, infielder Shervian Newton as well. Yep. Uh, 13, outfielder I could, Isaiah actually, Green. I could see Newton being there just because Brooklyn might be crowded. A little bit, but... Less to do with him and more to do with how Brooklyn will be. Yeah. In a case like that, though, that's when you just see maybe he's good in the outfield. You know, put him in right, put him in possibly center. Mm -hmm. Didn't they say that about Mauricio, too? Yeah. Throw him behind the plate, make him the new catcher. You you just (laughs) figure it out, you know? (laughs) Look, if Sharia Newton became a cat, I'd be here for it. That'd be fun. Um, next up is number 13, outfielder Isaiah Green, who is has already progressed past low A. Next is number 14, outfielder Freddy Valdez. Yeah, low yeah. A makes sense there. Mm-hmm. I think I, he'd be one. He'd be one I'd be comfortable pushing here, and then some of the younger guys I'd want to send to GCL. To the GCL, yeah. some of the guys coming up. Yeah, I, I would send him to low A. Just uh, agree, just to kind of challenge him a little bit since he was a highly uh, rated international guy. Next up is number 15, right-handed pitcher, Junior Santos. Yeah, I think this level probably makes sense for him. If if we had the form, oh, not the format, the alignment that we had, you know, in years past, I would say he would probably be a guy that would go to Brooklyn. Yeah. But now that that doesn't exist anymore, it's either GCL, which is below his experience level, or St. Lucie Low A, which is maybe a little bit above, arguably. I don't know. I don't want to say arguably. I mean, it has been a very long time since the last time we saw him pitch, and he was good with the stuff, but not good with the results. So, but I, yeah, I would, I would have him go to St. Lucie. Really, I, he might be someone I'd really want to see how he looks in instructs first before I decide between the GCL and St. Lucie, but... Yeah, that one's complicated. Next up is number 16, right-handed pitcher Harold Gonzalez, who was on the cusp of playing the majors and has been, hasn't been has been low A for many a year. Next is right-handed pitcher Robert Dominguez. I think St. Lucie, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's got fun be... stuff. He could move fast, but I think you, I don't want to, yeah, I think I'd start him in St. Lucie, yeah. He's a guy that might even be, I, I would possibly not even have him stateside this year. Really? Yeah. I mean, he has, he does not have any professional experience, mm-hmm. so. Some of the reports about his stuff are very uh, juicy. Oh yeah, I mean the the stuff is good. A, a 
mid to high 90s fastball. But it's hard to not to like that. And then a solid curveball, solid changeup. So this probably goes back to what we talked about where we were talking about Brooklyn. Like, I, it makes more sense to push pitchers than hitters because mm-hmm. you can still work on stuff as a pitcher if you, even if you're playing better players. And if you're a hitter and you don't know how, you've never seen a breaking ball before and you just have dudes throwing you mediocre sliders constantly, like you're screwed. Mm. Uh, next up is number 18, outfielder Alexander Ramirez. Yeah, so now I think the discussion That's between... guys for me. Yeah, between, yeah, between him and Consegua and Hernandez, and I'm probably forgetting one or two, two other IFA guys, like who goes to the GCL and who goes to St. Lucie. I think Ramirez probably goes to the GCL. Yeah, he's never yeah. played stateside. Right? No, yeah, yeah, exactly. to, yeah. yeah. Well, all the guys who haven't played stateside, I think I'd want to put them in the GCL to get their feet wet. We have a Consegra and Hernandez got like seven games. Five at bats, yeah. <laughs> so what do you do with that? I, I don't know. You could start you think... them in the GCL, and mm-hmm. oh, if they're hitting, just hey, a GCL outfield of Ramirez, Consegra, and Hernandez—that'd be a lot of fun. That would be good. I don't know. With the guys who have missed, like, a ton, a ton of time, I would maybe just push them up anyway. Like, Consuegra, the last time we saw him play was, what, 2018? Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at a certain point. <laughs> at some point, he's got he's to play. He's gotta, yeah, you got to push yeah. him above what he's seen, you know? Because he can't be like twenty three down there. He's just it's not gonna do anything. It's just gonna that's waste the That's a fair point, honestly. Again, maybe see how they look at instructs first. Like that's the mm-hmm. there's so much variability with these guys at at this level. It's a lot easier for us to say, yeah, this guy goes to double A and triple A. Once you get down here, it's like, well, what have you done over the last four months on the backfields that no one is seeing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much variance. Uh, next up is number 19, right-handed pitcher Dyson Acosta, who has already progressed past low A. Uh, same thing with number 20, right-handed pitcher Sam McWilliams. So now that brings us to the aforementioned Adrian Hernandez at 21. Yeah, GCL. I'd start him there. Yep. Agreed. And number 22, Stanley Consuegra. So I understand what Ken's saying. I still think I'd send him to the GCL, but if people wanted him in St. Lucie, I think that's reasonable. If I, if he starts in the GCL, I would have a quick trigger. I'm talking about like two weeks if he looks mm-hmm. good. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> you're just wasting everyone's time down here. Go. Yeah, I mean, with those guys, I don't want to say they're old because they're not, but just the amount of injury, you know, they both missed seasons because of injury and then missed season because of coronavirus, so... We're talking about basically two seasons of just nothing. Yeah. After a while, you you just need. I mean, that's basically what doomed Desmond Lindsay is just the injuries and not being able to physically keep up and physically develop. And on top of that, it's like if you miss all that time, that's two years of reps. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it's you don't make you can't it's you can't really make that up. Like you can, but. You're putting yourself behind the eight ball there, and right, it's it's point. already extremely hard to be a baseball player to begin with. So, like you said, you're behind the eight ball. 
Yeah. All right, number 23, Andy Rodriguez is no longer in the system. But number 24, Jordani Ventura is... GCL, I think. Yeah. He he played in the GCL. I'm looking it up now because I don't remember off the top of my head. He did, and then he basically spent a couple of weeks in Kingsport at the end of 2019. He, he, oh, yeah. he could go to St. Lucie. He has 33 innings in the GCL. He could go to St. Lucie. Yep. I didn't realize he had that many. I also didn't realize he was already 20. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, he could go to low A. And last but not least, Riley Gilliam, who yeah. is he's way past well, that. yeah, way past that. I don't actually know if he ever even played in low A. I think he started. I think he skipped it, right? Yeah, I think he started in high. Because it was what, like 22 and a closer already, so you could kind of. Yeah, you could expedite you could, the process with those kinds of guys. You could super fast track someone like that, which I'm fine, like hindsight, but that doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I agree with that. So, I mean, if if some of these guys get sent to St. Lucie, like we're thinking, and I think a, quite a few of them will, another pretty exciting team, just like Brooklyn. Like, I. <laughs> Triple A and double A is like pretend I do not see it and the rest of it, I'm like, oh hell yeah. Like I'm excited about all these. And then this is what double and triple A are gonna look like in a few years, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. It's just all the talents low like in the in the lower minors and a few guys up top. Alright, and finish things up now with some of the Will Pondery of the Week. And this week, the Will Pondery of the Week goes to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And honestly, I feel like probably literally at any point in time, you could say <laughs> that she is going to be involved in some Will Pondery. But this week, she she challenged Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to uh, a debate on on her Green New Deal legislation. Debate saying, me, coward. Pretty much. She said, <laughs> quote, uh, you know, AOC, quote, doesn't know anything about the economy or economics. And AOC being a graduate cum laude from Boston College with a bachelor in international relations and economics probably doesn't know a thing about economics, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she planned on debating her, quote, after I finished reading all 14 pages. So she was ready to debate against it without actually having read it first. As one does. Uh... As one does. For what it's worth, she did tweet like a day or two later, very proudly said that she read all 14 pages and she's ready to go. <laughs> These people are fucking caricatures of themselves. It's yeah, insane. Totally. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, Marjorie Taylor Green forever ruining Magic the Gathering because you can no longer write MTG. Oh, that's funny. Oh, huh. That's funny. Well, yes, she's the lowercase D then, too. Yeah, I guess. She, she just ruins everything. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> it. That's, I mean, that is how we felt about the Wilpon, so. Yep. Same emotional response there. Alright, if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever. You could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiple. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SedMetSeason, SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you, you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week with a good episode. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. Yeah.